Our scripture reading today, brothers and sisters, is from Acts chapter 17, verse 16 through 34. And our message today is entitled, Point of Contact. This is the Lord's word. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with them. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, maybe you know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what, the, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath, and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God, in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness, by a man whom he has appointed. All of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed. Among those were Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. Acts chapter 17, 16 through 34, is one of those seminal passages in Christian theology. In fact, everyone here in this room, I would endeavor to say this passage needs careful studying by each and every one of us. Because here we see how Paul interacts with the people of Athens. And if we think about the people of Athens, these were people who were well-educated. 
These were people who were looking for the meaning of the good life. These were people who were looking for the meaning of what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a, a family person? What does it mean to be a citizen? What is the meaning of life? And as they did so, we, we see how Paul approaches this question. How do we interact with the world that is looking for purpose and meaning? While we have the answer of Jesus Christ, how do we interact with people in such a way that is both winsome, but also truthful and honest about who we are? We live in a world today where Christians are either too belligerent about their faith or too passive about their faith. We live in a world today where even we as Christians don't really understand or, or have a, pers- a good handle on what does it mean to be a witness and what type of reactions and how to handle the different type of reactions that we may receive. But everything and much of it is laid out here in Acts chapter 17, verses 16 to 34. This passage is, is, is more conducive for us to sit down for hours upon hours with, with some coffee and some good cupcakes and, and to talk through not only theologically what Paul is teaching, but also talk about our individual circumstances. How do I share my faith with someone in my family who grew up in the church but still yet does not understand the gospel? How do I share the gospel with the people I work with? Or even the the person that that, that comes to my house and and mows my lawn and trims the, the bushes? How do I share the gospel with people who've come into my life? And this is important because in the book of Acts and the idea of the burgeoning church, the growth of the church, the way that the church grows or adds adds to their numbers or reveals the sons and daughters of God is through his people sharing the gospel and sharing the gospel well. So think about it. How have you shared the gospel with people? How hell have you told them about the hope that lives in you? It's not an easy task. And in fact, I would say it's much like learning how to have a relationship with people. A lot of trial and error. A lot of humility. A lot of I'm sorry but a lot of Jesus is still my Lord and my Savior. Some of you have had friends for a really, really long time who do not believe in the Lord, and yet you've never broached the topic of Jesus with them. Some of you are probably the other extreme, that all you do is talk about Jesus all the time with them, and they're like, whoa, slow down. But either way, Right. We need to interact with people for the sake of the gospel. 
Now, last week we saw how, how Paul himself um, sort of interacted with those who were of Jewish descent or who were Jewish, that he would go to these cities and the first places he would go to were the synagogues. Last week we saw him go to Thessalonica and, and Berea, and he was preaching the same gospel. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He resurrected from the dead that all who would come to him may receive salvation. Now, these Jewish people were people who, who understood the scriptures and the importance of scripture. And so Paul's strategy was very simple. Here is the very word of God. All that I need to do is let the word of God speak. It is not by how wonderful my words are, but how powerful God's word is. So he would sit with them, Sabbath after Sabbath, reading scripture together, proving that the Old Testament taught about Jesus, his coming, his death, his resurrection, and the salvation offered to all. And last week we saw that one of the strategies that, that we need to take as Christians, especially here in the South where we live in sort of a, a post-Christian world, here in the South where we can sort of presume that people will look at the Bible and at, least, at the very least say that it's a good book. That perhaps God is calling you with some of your friends, some of the people that you know, to simply say, hey, let's get together, have coffee. Willing, let's read the Bible together. Not only will you be blessed, but the person that you are ministering to will be exposed to the powerful words of God. What's beautiful about that is you start to see that it's not me that changes people, right? It's God and his word that changes people. A wonderful side effect of that is that you yourself, who might have not been reading God's word for a while, you might look, you might be able to, as you read it with that person, you might start to realize more and more, oh my goodness, God's word is as powerful as he says. And when I was doing college ministry, we would do something called investigative Bible studies. And this is something that uh, was just a staple in our ministry. Every semester, we would invite anyone on campus who wanted to come to read through the Gospel of Mark. Now, we weren't expecting every person to come. <laughs> but we knew that the Lord had prepared some people. So every semester, we had probably about, about Start about 10 to 12 people. It'll go down to about four or five. That does not discourage me, and that should not discourage you. The children love Jesus more than we do. <laughs> they sing louder than we do. <laughs> um, and, um, but the, the joy of whoever God brought to that investigative Bible study, reading the, reading the Gospel of Mark together, and seeing how that word is changing them and changing me as I read with them. Testified to the, the power of Scripture. Paul trusted in that. Paul trusted that this is the means of grace. This is the reason 
This is this book and its arguments and its stories is what can save people. And so I encourage you. This is one strategy. This is one way that you as God's people can say, let's just read God's word together. See who the Lord brings into your midst. Now, Paul also has a second strategy, and we'll go into it a little bit here today. And again, I wish I had all the time in the world to unpack all of this here. But Paul also realized something else. See, the people in Athens, he did go to the synagogue first. But he realized that the people in Athens, they weren't all of Jewish descent. They did not know who the, the God of Abraham was. They knew the philosophers of their age. They, they knew who Epicurus was. Right? They, they knew all, all, the, all, all, the, all the different philosophies of, of how to, to um, live the moral life or the philosophies of how to, how to squish your desire, whatever it may be, to live the good life, to live a life that's, that, is, is, uh, that, is, um, um, that, that helps, helps, helps society, to live a life that, that helps family, to live a life that, that makes you feel like you have purpose and meaning. Paul knew what we all know, that even if they do not know and understand Scripture or come from the God of the Bible, that every person made in God's image has a desire to know something or someone that is beyond themselves. Everyone is looking for purpose. Everyone wants the answer to the question of, why am I here? Why? And so Paul dives straight into that. And he sees that point of contact, that being human means that our hearts long to know a God. Our heart longs for meaning. He leans into that point of contact. And he says to them, listen, I hear that you guys want to know the meaning of life. And not only that, but even your poets, your artists, declare that meaning and beauty is something that we all need to grasp. And so Paul quotes from one of their poets. and says, see, listen, look. The desire, the, the understanding that we are we are born of something divine. Perhaps the understanding that we we were that human beings are are special. Perhaps the understanding in our Western world that men and women are both made in the image of God. The understanding that that death cannot be the end of all things. The understanding that there must be some sort of justice and righteousness in this world. The, the desire for equality. All of that stems from our desire to know that there is an ultimate meaning and ultimate justice in our lives. 
And so what do we as Christians do? We lean into it. As Paul did. Speak. You want justice in your life? You want everything that's been unjust in terms of what's happened to you to be made right? No, that's a longing that you have, perhaps you can say. Do you know that God is a God of justice? Yeah, you say, but you might say, I understand about why, but I want justice now. What does the Lord teach us? The Lord teaches us that in the end, ultimately, when he returns, everything will be made just. And that you're feeling that things are still not where they should be. Not an indication that this world will always be unjust. An indication that the full justice that you desire come when the Lord returns. The full justice that you, des- that you desire, Christ has fulfilled in his death and his resurrection. That he will make all things right in the end. And you may question you, well, how does that help me today? I'm living as a person who's been wronged. I'm living as a person where I don't feel like I've got retribution or, or been made whole again. Don't overpromise. We know that what the world promises, that we can make you whole, that that's a lie. We promise what the scriptures promise. Jesus will be there for you in the midst of all that. And knowing that you will receive justice in the end because Christ loves you, frees you actually to love people. It frees you actually to live with grace. It frees you actually human. When we as God's people And that's just an example. When we as God's people see the the spiritual needs, the the mental needs, the, the, the human needs, and we lean into that with what God teaches us and how he fulfills that and how it has fulfilled us, that point of contact enables us to share the gospel in all things, in everything. Because we all have the human experience. And God addresses every human experience with his gospel. See, when we share the gospel with people, it's not simply, here is God's word And my life is over here, and there are two distinct things. God's special grace and God's common grace, or God's provincial grace, is all married together. When we share the gospel with people, we're actually sharing our whole lives 
and the whole worldview that God has given us. And people see God's word and they say, this is true. And they come to Christ, hopefully through God's word. But the beauty of it is to see it as a whole when it is encompassed in you as you live out the gospel. It's brought into its fullness when we as CCPC grow in the gospel of grace with one another. And when we can respond to every human need with God's word in a way that resonates with the needs of humanity, then they can see the beauty that Christ indeed is the answer to all things. This is what Paul does when he is talking to those who do not know history of the covenants. And this is what Paul does to those who want to say, I don't want to read scripture. Simply goes and says, look at this created world that God has made. Let me tell you the, the story of what God has done. Let me tell you the story of why the death and the resurrection of Jesus brings meaning into every corner of your life. Exalted. Now, here's the important thing about this. Both sitting down with someone and reading the gospel, and both having this Christian worldview that you can share, whether it's about justice, whether it's about sexuality, whether it's about um, work, whether it's about marriage, whatever it may be, these things are not simply intellectual exercises. But these things, like Paul, come from a personal experience of knowing the Lord. It needs to be trained, but it is an outflow of our heart's desire and an outflow of what we already are. And so in our lives, we need to continue to to grow in our understanding of Scripture and grow in our worldview of how God is the Lord of all things that enables us to share the gospel in a way that is not stilted, that is not artificial, but in a way that is natural to the redeemed people that we are. And by God's grace... You and I are able to follow the Lord. Many of you know I'm from Philadelphia, and many of you know that the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Um, I, I used to be a real diehard sports fan when I was growing up in Philly, but now it's more like let's 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 quench that. That's not that's not healthy. But I will tell you that you know, grew up in Philly. If someone said to me, let's talk football, naturally I can talk football. It's not difficult. I'm not sort of picking out my book and going, uh, let me tell you who the starting quarterback is for my team. Uh, Let me tell you 
um, yeah, let me tell you a story of throwing snowballs at Santa Claus, and this is how I should feel about that story. It's, it's not there. It just comes out. There are times when, I, when back in those days, when I would talk about sports, I would come off a little bit, you know, a little bit, little, little too hard, right? And they'd be like, you know, calm down. And there are other times where I'm like, I want to try to persuade this person that my team's the best. And slowly just sort of talk about their history or, or whatever it may be and comparing their team to my team. Persuasion. A persuasion that comes from a joy inside. The joy of knowing Christ is twofold, right? God has to have changed you. You have to know God. And that's what we pray for, that that you know God. Because if you do, when you start to get trained, when you start understanding the Bible, when you start to understand the, the worldview of there, of, of God's worldview, what does your heart do? Your heart goes, this is, this, is, this is what I need. This is what brings me life. This is what's true. And your heart's able to hold it and rejoice in it and share it with others. This is the gospel that goes forth, that is embedded in you. You who know Jesus, you who long to share God's word, and you who long to share your life in the way Christ touches every aspect of who you are. Together as a church, we go forth, being salt and light, being his witnesses to the ends of this earth, that his kingdom may flourish, that the people that God has called to himself may be revealed, that we may rejoice more and more together when when someone new declares the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, the book of Acts is about principles of a new church and principles of church as a whole. For us, let us not fear sharing the word of God, but let's look for every opportunity to be his witnesses. I dare say, when the Lord uses you and uses our church, to just reveal just one person who loves the Lord, there will be more rejoicing here, more rejoicing in your heart than anything else the Lord has done for us. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is good. Your word is powerful. Your word has transformed all of our lives, Lord God. And just like the men of Athens, there are people in this world who are looking for life. Father, all we need to do is turn to 
the media. Turn to the phenomena of, of podcasts nowadays. People are looking for to be educated. But more than anything else, they're looking for the good life. What is the good life? And Lord, although the world may in the beginning listen to these podcasts and say, this is the path. Father, at the very end, there is nothing. It is but the wind. But Lord, we know that as we ourselves dig deeper into your word, dig deeper into its implications of our lives, that our foundation grows stronger and stronger, that our hearts become more and more dependent on you, that we become more joyful, more peaceful, more loving. And so, Lord God, as we deep dig deep into you, may that, Lord, outflow into our love for our neighbors and for our friends and family and those who need to hear the good news of Jesus. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.